People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, and here we are today again. Now, you know what I hate about kidney disease the most is eating properly. That's oh. the thing I hate, eating properly. What is the most difficult thing for you to stay away from? Sodium, potassium, phosphorus, which one is it? None of those, none of the above. The biggest thing for me is the fluid restrictions because oh. I love to drink, especially in the summertime. When I was dieting, I used to weigh 320 pounds and I went down to 175 pounds. And when I was dieting, the trick, a lot of the things I did was I'd pull into a 7-Eleven and get a big gulp. A big gulp of either Crystal Light. They started to sell Crystal Light at the mm-hmm. uh, 7-Elevens. And, or I'd pull into Starbucks and get a big 20-ounce coffee. And I can't do that anymore. So what do you do? I gain weight. You pass by Starbucks <laughs> and 7-Eleven. I wave. <laughs> no, I, I, I eat ice. I, I get a small big gulp. That make That's an oxymoron, but they have a... A small really, big gulp. <laughs> yeah. A little gulp. What about it, a Slurpee? Well, they still it's still liquid. I, isn't it less though because it's ice? It's, it's kind air. Of, a lot of air, it's air. A lot of air. No, I just try not to drink as much, and that's the hardest thing for me because you know I don't have the salt problem because uh, I have low blood pressure, believe it or not. So I don't even watch my sodium intake. I don't even care. Well, about that's why that. you're thirsty, though. Well, this is true. <laughs> this um, is true. It's impossible to control your thirst if you don't control your sodium. That's true. That's true. So and they are and a, a lovely product who advertises on our show is Mrs. Dash. I use a lot of that. A lot I, of I, Mrs. Dash. I put, I put Mrs. Dash in my milkshakes. It's so good. But that's high in phosphorus. It's it is. Is it high in phosphorus? Milkshakes are. <laughs> oh, milkshakes! But I use Dairy Delicious, another oh, okay. advertiser. I can, I can, I can combat anything. Well, today we're here with Mandy Trollinger. I uh, love Mandy Trollinger. <laughs> and she's a she's a renal dietitian. She's had two transplants, so she's actually been there. So you mean to tell me that she's a renal dietitian and she's a transplant herself? Yes. Wow. So the person can't say to them, "Well, you don't know how hard it I is know. to do that." So she's going to give us some information and she's going to talk to us about what it's like, give us some of her tips. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk to Mandy Trollinger. And she's also going to do a small tap dance, I understand. What's the secret ingredient for delicious yet healthier meals? Why, Mrs. Dad's seasoning blends, of course. The 12 varieties of Mrs. Dash are all made up with a unique blend of 14 natural herbs and spices to make side dishes snap, potato pop, and dinner dates unbelievable. And since Mrs. Dash has always been salt-free with no MSG, you can create great-tasting meals full of only one thing, mouth-watering flavor. Here's an easy-to-make, healthy recipe idea. Coat some boneless chicken breast in a mixture of Parmesan cheese, breadcrumbs, and Mrs. Dash original blend. Saute in extra virgin olive oil until done. Then give a small squeeze of fresh lemon juice and serve over your favorite pasta. Mm. Doesn't that sound good? 
Well, for more information, visit MrsDash.com. Mrs. Dash, salt-free, flavorful. Trollinger. I love Mandy Trollinger. I love Mandy too. I met her She's last very year. Special. I met her last year. I love me too. You're, you're, <laughs> thank goodness. Now you're a dietitian. Yes, I but am. But the twist on the whole thing is you're also a kidney patient. That's correct. Or do you consider yourself a patient? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm fortunate enough to have that experience where I can actually be both. I can be on the healthcare side and also be on the patient side. So it's definitely a huge advantage in my work. So when were you first diagnosed with kidney disease? Just run us through your history real quick. Okay. Well, actually, when I was about... That's enough. (laughs) Oh, no, sorry. Okay, let's hear yours. (laughs) When I was about two or three years old, they found that I was spilling protein in my urine and then it wasn't until about 12 years old that I went back to the doctor and they did a kidney biopsy. Well, they actually did the kidney biopsy when I was in kindergarten, but I started being followed really closely by a nephrologist at about the age of 12. And my kidney function deteriorated really fast around then. I got my first transplant from my mother at the age of 14, and then that transplant lasted about 12 years. And then in 2004, I lost that transplant to chronic rejection. And I went on hemodialysis for a while and then received a deceased donor kidney in May of, or April of 2005. Now is, it, when you say chronic rejection, is that a particular disease or is just chronic rejection? Is that a generalized term? You know, they can't really fully explain mm-hmm. it. It could have been some medications, it could have been other things going on, but it's just, the immune system and transplants is so complex and they don't know everything about it that it was just something that happens and they can't give you a solid answer on it. They had a couple ideas. I've but. Been, I'm in chronic rejection. I've been in chronic rejection for years. So it's just something that happens with kidney transplants over long term. They just slowly just... Is that what chronic rejection means, though? It's chronic, slow, as opposed Ah. to like acute rejection where it just comes on really fast and either takes the kidney out or they reverse it. So you went through this chronic rejection. You got a second transplant. When did you decide to become a renal dietitian? I actually, when I was a little kid, I always wanted to be a vet. So I always liked medicine and everything. And I did a little bit with that in undergrad. And then I decided, maybe I want to work with humans more. And the fact that I'd had a transplant, I had obviously seen many healthcare professionals, nurses, doctors, dietitians. And the dietitian one just stuck out the most. And so that's what I ended up doing. Decided to, you liked food the best out of everything. (laughs) Yeah, food from, yeah, definitely. So you, you you were originally interested in becoming a vet. That, that was kind of my childhood yes. dream. You know, he it's loves so, animals. It's so funny. On the, I was on uh, YouTube the other day, just cruising around, and I put on some animal videos. I clicked animal videos, and and uh, they they had this lady had this tribute to her dog, and the dog she put her dog on dialysis. I I actually and worked. she had the dog have a transplant. Oh, I actually worked for a while at a companion animal hemodialysis unit up in uh, Sacramento at UC Davis, they actually have a dialysis unit for pets. And what was really interesting is that dogs do pretty well on dialysis. And I don't know if you know this, Mandy, they don't really have any fluid gains. Yeah, but how do can... they stay still? How does the dog stay still? <laughs> well, do they, they just, they were just up dog? there. I don't, they just were well-behaved dogs. I, I, I don't know. 
But they would lay there and they would have their dialysis treatment. What I found was so unusual was that the dogs didn't have fluid gains. And I said, this doesn't make any sense to me. Their kidneys aren't functioning. And they said, we can totally control their diet and we can control their sodium intake. Therefore, they're not thirsty and they don't need fluid. They don't drink. And that was when a light bulb went on for me about, wow, sodium is so connected when uh, patients gain fluid. It's really interesting you bring that up because one of my pets was actually in the hospital. We were visiting it and it was in the back in the cages and I was overhearing a surgery that was going on and the words I was picking up on it, they were actually doing at this clinic their first dog transplant. Well, well, all the animals have done all this research for us. I mean, the reason we're here is because dialysis has been performed on animals. Um, you know, it's kind of difficult for me to even think about that because I'm such an animal lover, and I'm like, well, oh I my think goodness, Peter's going to be outside your house. I tonight. know, I know, it's going to be awful, but it's true. I mean, you know, that's just the reality of of medical science that they need to they need to do studies and. So Mandy, tell us how important are like the patient knowing the numbers? Shouldn't we just leave that to the professionals and you know, we don't have to even worry about knowing our own numbers? Oh, definitely not. The patients need to know their numbers probably more than the professionals because we see so many numbers. And by knowing your numbers, you can be your own advocate and really take care of yourself and prevent or slow the progression of certain diseases and complications. So, and it all starts with knowing your numbers, knowing your lab work and what to do to kind of change that. Now you work in a dialysis unit. What's the number one thing that you have to teach patients? Hands down, phosphorus. Phosphorus, comfort one. food, oh, dairy, cheese, milk, I ice cream. I love phosphorus. <laughs> I could eat a wedge of cheese. Well, that's why I, you need I, to put the cheese and milk away right now. <laughs> what? You need to put the cheese and milk away that you have in front of you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do know cheese is really one of my biggest things. I just love cheese. I love cheeses from all over the world. And it's comfort I food. I mean, when I am not feeling Since well, when is cheese comfort food. It, it is. It's just soothing. I mean, it's like cream. Yeah, try somebody who's lactose intolerant. See how soothing <laughs> that is. I don't know. That's one of my weaknesses. No, I just when I don't love feel cheese good, I want milk and cereal. That's something that always makes you feel better, especially Captain Crunch. This is Lori's not great for the renal diet, is she? Or for a diabetic. <laughs> There's not something wrong with a cap- Captain Crunch if you're not a you, diabetic, did you know, is did there? Did you know that he was on dialysis? <laughs> I think Lori's becoming a serial advocate instead Absolutely. of a patient advocate. She works for Kellogg's. That's oh, what I heard. man, I love Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> so t- so the phosphorus is the biggest thing and not potassium? Um, potassium's an issue, but it seems with the patients I work with, it's phosphorus is one of the hardest things to control. And as the medications get better, it helps, but it's phosphorus is in so many foods. And unfortunately, more and more foods are getting phosphate additives. Because it's a preservative, right? Exactly. And it's oh. everything kind of being preserved. And also, you know, we always are told, you know, eat whole grains and stuff. Now, doesn't whole grains have a lot more phosphorus than regular grains? Yes. For example, I'll tell patients, you know, go to white rice instead of brown rice. Kind of stay away from the bran breads and stick with the white breads. And that way it can, you don't, you get a lower intake of phosphorus from that. Little changes like that. But it's definitely a hard thing. You have to be constant lookout for the phosphorus and food companies aren't making it any easier by using it as an additive. If I wanted to eat some cheese or some whole grains and stuff, if I just took more binders, could that help? It could, but it can also be very dangerous too, especially, you know, certain binders, it depends what's in them, if they're a calcium-based binder or non-calcium-based binder. 
but that's probably not the best answer. I try to teach my patients how to cheat if their labs are looking good. Most of my patients do okay with a half a cup of dairy, some form of dairy a day. So how compliant were you as a patient? That's what everybody wants to know. I know, because you know, I had a dietitian when I was a diabetic, before I was a kidney patient that was diabetic and was putting me on a diabetic diet, which is very strenuous also. And, and this lady weighed 250 pounds and she's telling me how to eat. It's definitely hard. You know, every profession has their good and their bad. But, you know, as far as me being compliant on dialysis, I was pretty compliant. I did have a phosphorus of 5.6 once. <laughs> and the techs and the nurses would always joke with me because when I would come in and weigh myself, I would gain exactly what I was supposed to as <laughs> far as my gains in between treatment. You and never under, joke. huh? <laughs> no, I never under, never over. It was always pretty much right on, and I constantly you weighed myself You do clothes to wear, huh? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I would just alter my wardrobe. Say you were 5.6. Now, how, how did you get there and everything? Did you, did you did you know that you ate too much cheese that, that month? or Honestly, I didn't. You know, 5.6 is just a little bit over the 5.5 cutoff, and... Mm-hmm something I ate or you know if you eat a lot of low phosphorus foods but if you eat a ton of them everything adds up and I you know I couldn't pinpoint it exactly when we rechecked it a week later it was fine so when we come back we're going to talk more about what foods you can eat what foods you can't eat and you know how do you digest those rubber things that you show that dietitians show the rubber piece of meat and the rubber can of peas and stuff like that hi my name is Jenny Huey there is a critical shortage of organs 91,000 people are waiting for a transplant. I am one of those people waiting for a kidney like many of you listening. I wait for my transplant coordinator to call me with the good news, that they have a kidney for me. Other young women my age are waiting for that special someone who they met online at that dating website, Match.com, to call. And I'm waiting for the right cross-match. It is important that we all inform our friends, family, and co-workers about the importance of becoming a donor and to make sure they sign a donor card. Also, they need to discuss this very important decision with their family. We all need to bring awareness to the public about the importance of giving the gift of life so I can continue on with my life, dialysis free, and have guys waiting patiently by the phone for me. And we're back with Miss Mandy. Do people call you Miss Mandy? Uh, not usually. Only in the South. They, in the South, people tend yeah, to do that. No, if I'm in trouble, I get called Amanda. But Amanda. So, do you like to cook? Or what are some of your favorite meals to prepare? Do you prepare renal-friendly meals? You know, when I was on dialysis, I did. But I have to honestly say, my husband, who's an accountant, is the better cook between the both of us. <laughs> I, I really like the clinical side of dietetics. I, I can cook with my microwave, definitely. But I can, I can cook basic <laughs> meals. But yeah, it's I really like the clinical side. And that's one reason I went to renal. And, you know, looking at the foods and how much it affects your diet and your lab work alone is just, it's, it's fascinating. Now, now, I know protein is so important for kidney patients, and I, you know, we're told to eat a lot of protein. Before I was on dialysis, they said, don't eat a lot of protein, you know, mm-hmm. try not to eat a lot of protein at all. And now they say, you know, you got to eat a certain amount of protein a day. And how important is that, and what is it for? Eating the adequate amount of protein while you're on dialysis is very important for many reasons. It helps keep your energy level up. 
a big thing is that it helps keep fluid in the right places in your body. If you think of the starving children in Africa, which pretty much everybody has that visual, they have very skinny arms and legs, and then they have little big bellies or big bellies, and that's all fluid that's been pushed in there. And by having an adequate protein level or an adequate albumin level, which is how we measure your protein stores, it keeps the fluid in the right places and keeps it so when you do have dialysis, it is allowed to pull the fluid off. And your albumin should be about 4.0, is that Uh, right? 4.0 and higher. 4.0 or higher. And there's a cutoff, usually 4.0. So if you have like, you know, extreme high albumin, that's not good either, is it? Yeah, you can look at what we call the toxins in the blood. If you do eat too much protein, which I very rarely run across, but it can increase the toxins in your blood and it can kind of make you feel like before you went on dialysis. Mm-hmm. And So it's, it's really like on. a delicate balance. Uh, with the protein, it, it is, but it isn't because, again, I don't see high albumin levels a lot. It's, it's hard enough to keep it at 4.0 or higher. Is there certain protein that's better than other protein? I mean, I can eat a whole jar of peanut butter or I can eat a steak or which is better for us? You want to go for high-value sources, which are going to be from animal sources. So beef, fish, chicken, turkey, eggs. So what do vegetarians do? They're just it's out of tough. luck. It, it can be done, and we do work with vegetarians sometimes that want to maintain it. Some vegetarians don't want to maintain the diet while they're on dialysis and then return to it if they get a transplant. But we do have some vegetarians that stay on dialysis. It's a little bit more difficult, depending on the type of vegetarian they are. If they do still eat fish or if they eat eggs, we can work that out, or we can actually use some supplements as like well. Soy, no. soy is a good thing to use. But I don't you think that's a, that's limit. not uh, soy is not as good for you, right? It, it depends, uh, you know, on what the situation is, what the health situation is, dialysis, non-dialysis, kidney patient, non. Because beans more. are high in phosphorus. Like beans are a good source of protein, maybe not the high level protein, but they're right. high in phosphorus. Exactly. But so what Lori uses is pork rinds. Those, those, those don't. <laughs> Yeah, with my Captain Crunch. Yeah, it's really exactly. tasty. It's a good mix. You can't really tell them apart. <laughs> I don't think they, they both count as the high-value uh, protein, do they? Pork rinds? You know, you'd probably have to check with your dog on that yeah. one. <laughs> your dog? <laughs> yeah, they could probably answer that better. You definitely know high-value So tell us choices. about your animals. Do you have, you, you're so in love with animals. Do you have animals at home? Yes, I do. Not your husband. I mean animal animals. (laughs) Yeah, we'll leave my husband out of it. We do. We have two cats and we have two ferrets. Excuse me? Ferrets. Not parrots, like Lori's parrot. But you have two ferrets. Two ferrets. And and how do you play with a ferret? They're actually a really, really fun animal to have. They never really grow up. They'll steal things and hide them from you. That's fun. And then you have to find them. We have to, you know, we keep them caged during the day. I think there's a kid in my neighborhood that does the same thing. Yeah. Just bring him over. He'll steal anything from you and hide it. it, They're really fun. And they get run time and they get out and run in certain rooms in the house. How do the cats react to the ferrets? Uh, My cats were actually pretty much raised with the ferrets. So if anything, if there's a little tip or anything, the ferret wins. Really? The cat's going to wow. run off. So you don't have any dogs or anything? No, we want dogs, but my neighbors have two Malamutes, which are very large dogs. So they're kind of our adopted dogs. And the ferrets, what are your pet's names? I have two cats. One's named Paws for Pawnee, Oklahoma, and then the other one's named Aggie for Texas A&M Aggies. And then the ferrets are Bear and Kahlua. So well, you, you don't name your pets like Albulin and Potassium? No, I try to keep my work separate from my personal life. <laughs> Yes. Well, maybe one of the things we could do is you could maybe review some of the lab values that patients need to know, and maybe we could go through them a little bit and see if Stephen's within range. I mean, like phosphorus, for instance. A normal phosphorus should be what for a, a kidney patient? 
A normal phosphorus should be 3.5 to 5.5 is the range you would like to be in. Are you in range? You know, I don't know. I tell you one of the problems I have. Love my unit that I go to, but um, they fax me my, what do you call it, numbers. Your lab results? My lab results every month. And I look at them and there's a little note that says high or low on it. And I get very alarmed and I call the dietitian, and I said, this says I'm, I'm really high. And she goes, oh, no, no, that's for a non-dialysis patient. You're, you're totally normal. So I guess I have to learn the numbers for dialysis patients because the lab doesn't break it down. They just break it down for, for a normal, normal person. People. And we know you're not right. normal. Absolutely. <laughs> I am totally <laughs> normal. So what about a potassium? Uh, potassium, you want 3.5 to 5.5. And you have to be careful with potassium. Yeah, that's dangerous. that's dangerous. It's really high. Yeah. It is very dangerous. It can cause heart problems. Not a good outcome if it's really high. So, so the high potassium foods are the bananas, the avocados, the potatoes. Oranges. Oranges. Everything I love. <laughs> See, you guys are dietitians already. I know. <laughs> I love like guacamole with orange and, and, and you know, bananas in it. So I'm glad I'm not your dietitian. <laughs> <laughs> but avocados, I, I really do like avocado. But you can have a little bit, right? A little it's, bit of avocado? It's moderation and it's knowing how much potassium is in the food. And again, it's your overall intake for the day. And there's some great recipes on kidneytimes.com that you can find. You know, you can take avocado and mix it and do some flavoring. So you get the flavor. Flavor, but maybe not all the potassium. Well, wait the a second. Wait a second. If you, if you put mix it with what to get rid well, of the potassium? Some, well, you know, you can mix it with like um, sour cream if you want to dip or something. Oh, to make like, it larger. Yeah. Ah, larger is good. Nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you, also, you, you can like fillers. leach your potatoes. Now, some you people say you dialyze vegetables. vegetables. How do you do that? How do you dialyze a vegetable? Well, with potatoes, what you want to do is you want to peel it and you want to cut them into very small slices. And cutting them into small pieces is key. And then you put them in a bowl of water. What this does is it helps draw the potassium, not all of the potassium, but some of the potassium out of the potatoes. Then you dump the water out and then you can prepare the potatoes. Really? So you can have potatoes that way? Just Yeah, you still, you don't want to eat a whole bowl of them. But, but yeah. so let's say you're making potato salad, let's say, mm-hmm. and you're, you cut them up, you put them in water and you boil them. Is that boiling out the potassium? It would get some of it out, but you really they had they have to soak for a couple hours. I even then let you mine dump soak. the water. Then you you change the. So water is that what a dialyzing like vegetable is? You just put it in water. Basically, yeah, yeah. Like, like so, so you don't suck the blood out of it, though. Yeah, you, you see a little, you know, cucumber, like you know, <laughs> hooked up, up with it, with little, yeah. put some little needles in it, and exactly. Dialyze it. Okay, so now we have we done cal- phosphorus. What about calcium? Calcium, that's a very interesting lab value. There's a lot of research going on, and that's constantly changing. The current range that was just changed not too long ago is 8.4 to 9.5 is where you want your calcium. Your calcium How did they be. change it? Was it up or down or what? They actually, they lowered it. Mm-hmm. And just the more and more research coming out on the danger of a high calcium level and the effects it can have on the body, they lowered the range. And then hemoglobin, I guess, is another lab value we got to pay attention to. It's definitely one. And again, you know, there's been a lot of recent changes for that. You definitely want to keep your hemoglobin above 11, but under 12. And you, is that, how do you do that? By eating more red meat or? Usually with hemoglobin, it's because there's a hormone that the kidney produces that helps make red blood cells. And since the kidneys aren't working properly, you aren't producing as much of that hormone. And so you have to get medicine during your dialysis treatments or 
You and can get you injections can, at home. And then you need to eat a, a diet that's rich in iron, and you may be getting iron during dialysis, too. Correct? Yes, correct. And some high iron foods are, Stephen? Spinach! <laughs> <laughs> and good old-fashioned red meat from the South. <laughs> right, liver, which I hate. Yeah, yeah, that's really high in phosphorus, though. Protein oh, foods are medium to high phosphorus foods, and that's why, or most protein foods are. And it's difficult to control your phosphorus because here we are wanting Telling you to you increase to your protein, protein intake. So it's difficult. Well, can you dialyze a chicken McNugget? You know, I don't know. You're going to have to work on that one, but you can get back to me on that. I All hear right. you're quite a good cook. So <laughs> I, I'm, I am really a good cook and I, I love to cook, which I think helps. But uh, so why are you yes. eating chicken nuggets? <laughs> That's in my old Steve. That's the old Steve. I used to love chicken McNuggets with the hot mustard sauce. And it's, they're so high in sodium. I mean, you know, I don't have it, a problem with sodium because my blood pressure is so low all the time that I don't even watch my sodium. I just don't watch it. Is that a bad thing? You want to watch it just because of fluid gains too and your body holding the fluid. Salt loves water, so it can hold fluid. Yeah, I'm pretty good with fluid because you know I, I dialyze every day. So I really don't have to worry about fluid mm-hmm. as much as a regular dialysis person. So is there anything else that, you know, people out there listening need to know. I mean, they need to go see their dietitian and, you know, they can come and ask their dietitian, are you a patient? Because I just heard a patient who's a dietitian yeah, do people too. <laughs> know, do people know when, they, when you go to them that, do you tell them that you're a kidney patient? I am completely open about it. It's kind of, if it comes up in the conversation, sometimes I use it to my advantage. If a patient is kind of looking at me like, you don't understand. I know, you don't know what it's like to be a kidney <laughs> exactly. patient. Exactly, I've had that those exact words said to me and it's, it's, it's nice because I can say, well, I do understand some of it. I'm not gonna fully understand their situation because no two situations are alike, but it definitely helps me relate at least mm-hmm. to some of the things they're going through. So you really do a lot. I mean, you're a dietitian and you're a kidney patient. Do you do you, you do that exotic dancing on the side? And- <laughs> you know, I let that go a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm creeping up but- on the big three O's. <laughs> oh yeah, that's really old. Ma- Mandy used to be an aerobics instructor. Really? Did you wear like uh, the band around your head and everything? No, I was beyond the leg warmers and all that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I did, did um, in like college and after that for a couple of years, I was an aerobics instructor. And now when I went on dialysis, I did step back from that just because I did not have the energy that I used to. And now we're trying, my husband and I, we've been running some 10Ks and I don't race it to try and get a great time. I just do it to finish just it. Just to finish so. it. Well, that's wonderful. I think you're such a great example to people who are living with kidney disease because I would have loved to have a dietitian that could sit and talk to me and say, you know what, I've been there too. And I think that makes a world of difference because you provide so much hope to the people who you serve. And I think that's just terrific. All patients need to go apply for renal care jobs, don't they? They need to go get a degree and become nurses, dietitians, social workers, or volunteer, physicians. You know, for renal support. Or network. volunteer for renal support network. Even better. There are some professionals out there. I used to work with a patient care tech, and he's had three transplants. And when mm-hmm. he was on dialysis, he would dialyze, finish his treatment, and then basically just get up and start working. <laughs> So there, there are a couple I know of out there that are healthcare professionals. I'm uh, on a list uh, to be transplanted in Portland, Oregon at a hospital, and my transplant coordinator is a transplant recipient. Mm-hmm. My yes. transplant coordinator is also a transplant recipient oh in Denver, God, Colorado. Oh, my God, let's just keep it in the family. We're going to take over. Postman, here you go. Hmm. I won the million-dollar giveaway sweepstakes. Oh, I finally got my tax refund check. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. 
I got my order of dairy delicious! Oh boy, milkshakes, creamy soup, cereal with milk, and pudding! <laughs> Why is Mr. Smith so excited about his dairy delicious? I have a hint. You see, Mr. Smith is on dialysis, and Dairy Delicious is real milk especially created for kidney patients. It has half the potassium and half the phosphorus of regular 2% milk, but it has 100% of the flavor. Perfect for people who love dairy products and need to keep their lab values normal and dietitians happy. And most of all, it's delicious. Thousands who have tried Dairy Delicious sing its praises. See what I mean? To order your own Dairy Delicious and possibly get as excited as Mr. Smith here, call 1-877-4-DAIRY-7. That's 1-877-432-4797. Or visit DairyDelicious.com. Dairy healthy, dairy good, dairy delicious. The milk that's made for you. Now I gotta go learn all my numbers and everything all over again. You know, I remembered how important they were, but then you tend to forget and they're not so important anymore. I know. You just have to, you have to remember them. You have to know your numbers. I know my numbers. My number's number seven. <laughs> Did you have a lucky number? Did you ever have a lucky number? I think my lucky number is the 28th of April. That's because when that's I got when... called for my transplant. Which one? You had so many of them. This is my third one. So that's the only one that counts at the moment. <laughs> you know, I wonder what my lucky number is going to be because I'm still waiting for my transplant. Oh, well, you, you know, know what? That's the It'll biggest be thing, when Lori. you least expect it. That's my biggest fear is just waiting for this kidney. And I don't know where I'm going to be. Well, it'll be you? when I actually was camping in the mountains above Los Angeles and they, Big Bear. How did they get in touch with I you? I put a note on my refrigerator. This was pre-pagers or, I mean, I actually had a pager, but it shorted out at one of those water rides. Well, how did they get you? They, uh, the transplant center called the ranger station and the ranger station tracked us down to the camp that I was at because I was at a camp um, up in the mountains with a group of people. I am so surprised that they went it's to that amazing. trouble. Well, it was was a it six UCLA? Antigen, it, was six, it was a six antigen match kidney from UCLA and the transplant coordinator that called me was actually on call. She was actually the pediatric transplant coordinator. So she had been with me through my other transplants that didn't work. So she knew you. She knew me. And so she went to every single link to make sure that she... Because I carry my cell phone around me all the time because I'm always, you know, waiting for that phone call. Because I was told in January of 2007, uh, this year, uh, that it would be any day. And I've been waiting ever since. And it's just nerve-wracking. That's the hardest thing for me right now. It's difficult. Uh, I know when I got called for my second transplant, um, it, it was just wow. Just get here, and you, it's you just it, you're just flooded with a, an array of emotions. I mean, one of them's like, oh my goodness, maybe this will you know work, and everything will be uneventful. And then the other part is like, what if it doesn't work? And I have a question, Lori. I'm sure you can answer this. Is how long do you have before you can get transplanted? Once once they have the kidney. And let's say the person's died. They're not keeping the person alive. How long do you have? I believe that, well, they usually leave the person on life support. And I'm not right. an expert. But, but if a person's um, on uh, like a car but accident But I think it's like 36 hours that the kidney can be on ice or something. Right. Up to 36 So if a person hours. dies like in a car accident, 
Uh, I think it's like 36 hours. 36 that it can be hours. As, quote, 36 hours out of the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and technology may be improving that, too. Um, right. That was what I was told when I was transplanted a little over 17 years ago. But it is quite amazing how they just put an organ on ice and it it it's okay. It's like clams on the half shell. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.